0: Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of the Loose Head Sports Show. My name's Duncan Chubb. With me each and every week is Mr. Jed Gillespie, otherwise known as the second best looking and second most successful second grade coach in Sydney. A lot of seconds there for Mr. Jed. So what we have decided to do is team up each and every week to discuss the news going on in the world of sport, more specifically rugby, and to tell people what's really going on. We we kind of noticed that the media is either extremely negative or extremely positive. So what we're going to try and do is be straight down the middle and tell people exactly what's happening. Don't sugarcoat it and just be really honest. It's going to be a little punchy half hour max show every week. We may do more than one a week depending on how things go, but we want to try and keep it interesting for you guys. So where, where the wandering bear sports show, the other podcast I do is more of a educational, Um, podcast this one will be more entertainment and more informative so uh, feel free to message us if you want us to talk about anything Um, if you're enjoying the show please make sure you like and subscribe on whatever platform you listen on we really appreciate it guys and um, in this week's episode we talk about the Wallabies lost to the All Blacks um, what we think of it and some of the positional changes we might make Uh, the proposed shoot shield all-stars match with the Waratahs at the end of the year and the 22 rounds that they're talking about doing for the shoot shield next year. Nice, short, sharp, to the point, And we've been pretty honest throughout this. So it's not for the sensitive. Um, yeah. So without further ado, please make sure you enjoy this week's podcast with Mr. Jed Gillespie. So Matt, I thought let's fucking put it out today. Whatever we come up with now, we're putting it out there. Yep. Um, a day on from the test match. How do you reflect on it? Have you watched it again yet?
1: No, i haven't i haven't watched it again i watched the i watched the the scraps of it um yeah. it was one of those things again where if you were looking at it just on face value you could look back and go mm. you know we almost clawed back respect there you know the score line's not too bad but we were never going to win that game. there was not a single point in that game where we were going to win it where it whether it was 14 men it was just never going to happen so it wasn't even a close test series. I feel like we didn't actually test New Zealand at all. Um, it probably doesn't help them, to be honest.
0: One one thing I I find interesting is, is as a coach you you tend to look for positives. So you know we created some opportunities. If we didn't give away stupid penalties, we would have had good field position. You know a bit unlucky with the um, Karevi try at the start. But at mm-hmm. what point do you go? You know near enough isn't good enough. Like we creating opportunities but we're not we're not coming through with the goods and we're losing yeah I, how many years in a row do you, can you keep being positive do you, do you know what i'm trying to say yeah i
1: do know what you're trying to say i mean you've got i suppose you've got to give the new boss a bit of time um but he said in his post-match i think that you know we, we came in here trying to play football and i don't know i think if you if you gathered other coaches from around the world they'll tell you you're not going to beat um, you're not going to beat the All Blacks of football. Like even uh, Bobby Skinstad the other week, he said that, he's like, we're not going to beat them at throwing the ball around. We're going to beat them because we've got a better set piece. We're going to tackle them into the ground. We're going to kick our goals. So uh, it seems like a bizarre tactic. I don't know whether he's trying to bring the crowds back, but I, yeah, I agree. It's like, there's a few little things where it's like fantastic. Simon Krebs back, still a gun 12, who would have guessed? Um, you know, a few guys, are. Yeah, nick, nick Whiteback, i enjoyed seeing him back Tate mcdermott is a good at scooting we already knew this um but apart from that it's you know there's not a lot there what,
0: what did you make of the Terevi no try at the start
1: um it's a shame i think it would it, it certainly killed the it killed the vibe it killed the it was a bit of a momentum sh- swift uh shift sorry he's a yeah, he's a hell of a, he's a, he's a hell of a player and you know what, he's actually, maybe it's the way Santoria are running their program, but he's in fantastic nick. And I know he's come off sevens as well, but he looks great. He looks fine.
0: I, I looked at that no try and I've, I'm um, convinced that, that you can't pick the ball up at the rocks is a stupid rule. If the ball is close enough for you to pick it up, that should be played on in my view. Well,
1: they brought it in i remember chopping. so like, i used to do it it was a really easy way to make meters um but they brought it in like what five six years ago and you had to be behind the ball to pick it up um so if you were in front of it you're offside technically it's a bizarre it's a bizarre interpretation it's sort of almost a kickback from the refs because the refs turn around to look at the 10 20 30 and then they, they look back and the guy 60 meters off field it's it's just hard to police I think it's police poorly. It's certainly let away. People they, they they let it go a lot. Um, so fuck letter of the law, probably real, but fucking annoying. Um,
0: the other thing I wanted to bring up with you was the red card for Geordie Barrett kicking <laughs> Corbetti in the face, I think it was. <laughs> we we went off on the, um, on the stream last night, but what are your thoughts on it a, a day removed?
1: It's a funny one. I I I look at it and I'm like, there has to be some sort of like, I suppose from a legal perspective, but there has to be some sort of like causal effect between the intent of the player and what has happened. Like, I, I wonder, I wonder what, what would have happened if he just had a knee up and Marika ran into his knee. Like, is that a red car? Oh, you know, he's he's a guy running into the sun. He jumps. It's a wild jump. He's probably five foot off the ground. Mariko, like the head can, I still think it's bizarre. The the red cards we give in our game are bizarre. Um, I probably would have just gone, gee, that looked ugly. Jordy, you're a bit of an idiot, but he doesn't, unless he's a 10th level black belt in karate, there's no way he could have kicked that perfectly in the head. There's no way. So it's unbelievable.
0: You can understand when someone tackles someone in the head. Like, even if it's not on purpose, you're still in control of what you're doing. He's jumped to catch the ball and the guy has run into his
1: foot. Yeah, it's fundamentally. Yeah, it, look, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one because his foot sort of flared out a bit. But you know, if the ball, if the ball changes at the last moment, you've got to push back, you probably kick your front foot out. I just wonder, like, you know, the old Israel out right? Where he sort of specky someone, he, he gets up, you know, knees on them. Like, is that if that hits them in the head, is that a red card now? Like how we how we tackling how we doing high balls? So I tell you what, if I'm I'm just gonna tell my team to just run into people's knees. Like it's you're gonna get, red cards. You get as well. red cards. and the saving grace of the test match was the twenty minute rule. Yeah, twenty minute
0: rule. I, I like that they brought that in. I think potentially it stopped games from being ruined, and oh. if anything it makes it a little bit more exciting. I was reading something or listening to something in the media today about how they're wondering whether that will encourage more dirty play but i don't think it will
1: well i mean you look at the red cards chubby it's the the ones they hand out these days i would say like without having the statistics in front of me i would say two percent of it's dirty play the rest of it's like a guy ducking into contact and getting a like a tiny bit of shoulder to his chin and they red card it or that bizarre incident from yesterday like it's not it's not like people are going around eye gouging and punching people in the back of the head, it just doesn't happen. It's not the 80s. So, the red cards you see these days are so soft, it's usually from it being slowed down to the millionth of a second. Yeah, so it's not going to encourage dirty play because dirty play is gone, it's gone by, it's gone, it's gone to the way of dinosaurs. It's out of here.
0: Oh, I remember when I remember a game where a very well known wallaby prob was playing, potentially for southern districts, but I can't confirm or deny that. And he has grabbed someone in a green jersey punched him the guy's gone limp and he's held him he's held him so he's like loose just placed him on the ground uh, no one actually saw it and they didn't get it on camera so obviously he's punched him yellow card 10 minutes off straight back on didn't get any punishment at all about that yeah so the game's completely changed, changed. I, I can understand why they want to look after people's heads um, unfortunately, it is a contact game. There is going to be some sort of damage to the head. You cannot completely remove it. And I think what they need to do is encourage safety in terms of tackling technique, you know, carrying the ball properly. If you're going to tackle some guy in the air, probably don't run into his foot. And, yeah. and then like so put the more of the um responsibility on the coaches and the players rather than the referees
1: upholding it. Got, yeah, 100%, but there's got to be, uh, there's got to be, and there is an understanding from people who play at the elite level, but at all levels, you understand that if you jump in the air to catch a ball, there's a chance you'll land on your back, or there's a chance you're going to get hurt. When you run the ball, there's a chance someone's going to belt you. It's literally the foundation of the game. You can If you keep padding it, you keep taking it away, you keep introducing red cards, there's only so much you can do to satisfy, like there's no unfortunately it's just it's the price you pay for that little bit of pleasure in your 20s or your 30s that you might get a few concussions it literally is the price you pay and i know concussions is a big thing but if you don't like it you just don't play the sport because otherwise it's not the same sport
0: just on on i was about to say on that but it's a complete subject change so i've had a lot of coffee today <laughs> I was look, I was looking at some of our players last night for the Wallabies, and some of them would not be first graders in Shoot Shield, in my opinion. And I'm particularly looking at some of the tight forwards. Obviously, they probably would be first graders, but they're not standout first graders in a couple of the positions, no. um, particularly in the second row. If you look at the second row that the All Blacks have, you know, Sam, Sam Wylock, Brady Retali, by by far probably. Yeah, they'd be up there with the Springbok guys. as the best second row pairing in the world. Uh, how much of a difference does that make to them, do you think?
1: I think it's enormous. I mean, the amount of set piece you have in test matches is exponentially higher than shoot shield to start with. There's less rugby played. So you're more reliant on you know, driving more to exit, driving more tries, clean ball, stuff like that. Our second rowers are not even in the same stratosphere as the All Blacks. Now, you could say the All Blacks have the best second row pairing of all time. Fair enough. They're not going to be in the same stratosphere. But you look at South Africa; they've yep. got like Franco Mostert, uh, Diaga, um, Eben Beth. You look at England, they've got Toje. They've got Courtney Laws. Like, you can go to the other top five teams. All those guys are on another planet. Like, we, we are so short at the moment um not physically but in terms of talent it's 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 fucking scary they're doing their best those guys but like we need we need one of the uh rory arnold and adam coleman back so badly will Skelton, like we need them so badly
0: well just just on that we do actually have the talent so if you look at will Skelton, i think you got french top 14 second row of the year uh rory arnold was in the team as well i'm pretty sure uh, Kane Douglas still kicking ass over there. Then you've got guys like Siddelecki Tamani, who is he's the um, he's in the realm of those spring box guys in terms of physical ability. Probably hasn't played a lot of footy for a little bit. I mean, at what point do you start to bring those guys back in and go, you know, a little bit of short term pain for for maybe more long term gain down the track?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sort of. It depends what they do with this ghetto ball but like none of probably none of the second rows in the squad make it if you if you open the doors i mean adam colvin was a good second row before you that the guys i mean you played him i played him he's he's two meters something tall he whacks people he's hard as nails he was a pain in the ass to play against will Skelton speaks for himself um you know you probably need a a lighter guy to balance out the second row. Roy Arnold was an outstanding second row. I thought he was world class before he left as well. Even those guys like, you know, Kane Douglas was probably a tier down from them. And that's respectfully, like he was a hell of a player. He's a hell of a player. But they're five times as tough and they're bigger than the guys who we have at the moment. It would be a matter of whether we could literally, even if they were allowed to come back, would Start Frontier let them come back, you know, would, Wherever they are, actually allow them to come back and play text? Well, I think the rule is is that your your club cannot
0: restrict you from playing international rugby officially, but I think they can make life pretty difficult. They can. I them. think they can.
1: I think they can encourage you. Don't like. I, I agree. I think that is the rule. But you know, I think they, you know, some some stuff gets lost in the translation back to French, and there's, it, they can encourage you. Don't go back and play well, this. Like,
0: if you're if you have a job and your boss is going well no you're not doing this you're probably not going to do it
1: well especially yeah. when like you know I, I know there was a move to bring will back he's a great great dude as well um for the last world cup but it wasn't even like we weren't even in the same fucking realm monetarily um as even yeah. the saracens yeah. at the time yeah he wasn't even close like i'm sure he wanted to play more test matches but like when you're trying to set up your family, he's got a young family. Um, when, like it's if, if you're not even in the ballpark times three, what are you gonna do?
0: Mate, the, the other thought that I had was, I don't see any of our hookers really owning that position at the moment. I I'm, I could not love BPA more, but I, I don't think he's the standout at the moment. for anger didn't do it for me last night, and uh, Lundrigan on the bench didn't do it for me either. W- what do we do there? Because they're the guys we have, or is there someone that I'm not thinking of?
1: Yeah, I mean, no, you're 100%. I was surprised that Alex Murphy didn't get a gig from the Reds. He had a good Super Rugby season. He um, can play. He can play football, but they do it. They, I don't know what they do with the Reds. They, they rotate seemingly without taking into you know account the football. Um, those guys are, I would say one of them should make your squad in a good squad. Um, Unfortunately, sort of since I don't want to go back too far, but like since like Stephen Moore and Taft, have we had a guy who's a physical presence who throws pills? Um, no, they don't exist. Look, I think the best hooker, probably Australian hooker in the world, is Tolu Latu. Yeah. Um. He had his, you know, he had a few run-ins off-field when he was here. They weren't. It's not like he was in massive trouble. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's at front say at the moment. Like. He's probably a little bit smaller than your average international hooker, but he's hard as nails. He threw a good, um, he threw a good line out. He's a, he was a good scrummager. Played a bit of loosehead, so he's really strong. Um, he's the best. He's our best hooker.
0: Um, let's wrap up the Wallaby chat, then move on to a little bit of shoot here stuff. Do, do you pick Quade Cooper for the next Wallaby Test match?
1: No, he has. He hasn't played a proper game of football in probably three years. Um, he's been at, I think, Kintetsu. Um I'm not sure. He's playing second division. Over second Japan. division in Japan. And look, Japan is a fantastic place to make yen. It's a fantastic place to see different parts of the world, but it's not a fantastic place to become a better footballer. And he cannot go from, you know, D2, you know, semifinal or whatever they were in, three years in a row to the All Blacks. It's not how it worked um, and, you know, at the best of times, he was he was a sort of shaky, sort of 10. Um, no, no way in the world.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I think Noel Alessio is the guy they've got to stick with for a little while. Obviously, there's been some short term pain, but hopefully uh, he will come out the other end and be the main man coming into the next World Cup. Fingers crossed anyway. That's that optimistic coaching chat that we were talking about at the start coming in. Let's talk a bit about the Shoot Shield versus the Waratahs, a couple of trial games that they've got planned for just before Christmas. Um, so I think what's happened is they've, they, they're they gonna get the best of the Shoot Shield that they're allowed to bring in. Mm. And they're, they're gonna play two games on the 11th and the 18th of December versus the Tars, who have been done, doing a full preseason. What's your take on that? Is it just a bit of a media, uh, you know, a nice sort of thing for the Waratahs to do for club footy. Uh, are they trying to build a bit of confidence back up in Tarland? What's your
1: take on it? I think it, it sort of it sticks to the DC narrative, which is, you know, make, make club football more uh, aligned to the Tars again. It's Inherently, so yes, I think it's a it's media, it's great for media. There'll be a photo, everyone's wearing their club socks. Um, couple of things. Back in the day, Chubby, I know you would have seen it. They just play the midweek bar bars games, Sydney games, none of the players, none of the coaches, one of the guys in it. So I got
0: picked it in a couple of times and said no.
1: Yeah, there you go. So the first thing first is like, I don't know whether it eats with like, you know, we might merit three guys in that side. You yeah. know, I don't know whether the coach would want them playing in that side. What's the benefit for them? If there's no contract spots up for grabs. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, whether they actually pick a proper team or they fill it with their guys from the 20s academy and slap jerseys on, them. Um, remains to be seen. I suppose we can analyse the team once they put it out. Um, yeah, look, if you, I think if you put together a really, really good, hard, old, shoot shield team, they would. It wouldn't be a very pleasant trial, um, and it would probably be beneficial. Don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be a bits of bits and pieces team. Um, and it'll be a big score.
0: I think if they pick a genuine best of the shoot shield, give them ample preparation time, and then pit them uh, in the, against the Tars in a fair trial that's not, yeah, that's not geared towards one opposition wing versus the other opposition, I think that's a very dangerous game for the Waratahs.
1: Yeah, that's why I agree.
0: Particularly before Christmas, you're not going to have Michael Hooper, you're not going to have any of your Wallaby guys back. So you're fundamentally playing uh, an an experienced team versus a very inexperienced team Uh, i don't think dc's uh, silly enough to allow that to happen no i I personally would not be playing two two games against the waratahs the weeks before christmas particularly if they open the world up again i think most guys will want to get away Mm. Uh, nice idea nice idea but i've got the feeling that there's a little bit of let's build some confidence back in Thailand uh, involved in that decision-making. And it'll be very interesting to see selection-wise because I've got a feeling uh, politics will come into it and every single club will want to have their representation.
1: 100%, but also like, honestly, if I'm picking picking the two children's best players, these are guys who have been in a system and it bounced out and they're now playing for fun. So like Rory O'Connor, he's like, he's been he's probably, you know, if you're picking tomorrow, you probably pick Rory O'Connor at loose head, or pick Matt sandella at tight head. Those blokes are not playing in that game because they don't yeah. fucking care anymore. You burned them. They're going on holidays. So you're gonna end up with your fourth, fifth best pick in every position. That's if you do it properly. If you do it the way they will do it, you're gonna end up with half the academy in there. Um and then a few, a few guys who the coaches let play. So I think it'd be great for the media. Um, I think it's a good thing if you don't look into it. But I agree with you. If they did it properly, ugh, you'd want to prepare properly. You'd want to prepare properly as well. I don't know if it would go that well. I I think it would be an absolute disaster if the shoots here team beat the Waratahs. Well, mate, if I, if I was still playing, all that, like and, and you get picked in a team, I'd just be thinking, well, I'm going to punch the fuck out of this team. Of <laughs> before Christmas, yeah. Like, you know, if you, if you get some old blokes around and just go, Well, we're, you know, we're, we're gonna just beat the piss out of them, whether we win or not. Um, um,
0: let's let's move on to some a couple of other topics and then we'll wrap up, right? Yeah. Um, Spring Box is anyone beating the Spring Box this year?
1: Where are the tests being played? Are they played in Australia?
0: I think they're playing the Argies of the Gold Coast this weekend. I oh. know oh, the, uh, the All Blacks are playing the Argies on the Gold Coast this weekend. I mm. think we're playing the Springboks this weekend. That's a dangerous game.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, I think they're going to strangle... I think they'll start by... They, look, I think their base game plan is the World Cup game plan. They'll strangle the shit out of this. Um, They've got a really good set-piece, really good scrum, really good. And, like, it, their back rowers are so fucking... They're so tough. So I think it'll be similar A similar outcome with less football play. So you know what they're like. They get within sixty, give away a penalty. Andre Polata just put it over. So there'll be zero risk um, in the football they play. You won't see as much football. I think it'll be a boring game. But I think that we won't get within a stone's throw unless there's a red card.
0: I think even a red card probably we won't get close. The the games that I'm actually really excited to see would be Australia versus Argentina because Hmm. I think that will be a relatively close game Uh, and New Zealand versus South Africa. So so I've heard a lot in the media about the South African style of play being boring. But to me, as someone that played in the forwards my whole life, they're they're playing a forwards based set piece, very smart game that I, I don't know about you, but I actually appreciate what they're trying to do and they're, they're playing within the rules and this is what we were talking about before with the Wallabies playing too much rugby. Um, I think in Australia we've kind of got to get the balance right between entertainment and winning and in test matches, we've talked about this before, but in Mm. test matches winning and entertainment don't go hand in hand always and I think your priority has to be winning.
1: Yeah look, we have spoken about it before, look I'm telling you the Wallabies played they're playing way too much football they need to go back to argentina who are the least talented team last decade never had the talent they put a box kick up they receive it they put another box kick up they get near 22 they hit a goal if we did that for 78 minutes against the all blacks and won 11 to 10 12 to 11 sorry everyone in the country would rally behind it and they would not give a single fuck about how it happened they would rally behind it um at the moment, yeah, there's no correlation. Winning winning is king. Um, and and the, our attempts to sort of replicate all Blacks rugby are never gonna work because we don't have the talent. It's their number one sport. It's our number four sport. We, it's not gonna work. We need to, and I agree with you, the the, the Tri-Nations or whatever it's called now, the coordinations, the Super Rugby the Championship, it's completely tiered. It's us in Argentina. In whatever order and it's all black string books about 40 points clear so we need to worry about beating argentina every time we play them and then f- trying to figure out the rest it's it's
0: become it's come to the point where it's absolutely critical that we win test matches no matter how we do it so i get that people want entertainment but for rugby in this country the wallabies winning a game whether it's by a drop goal 50 points Whatever it is, I think we've just got to start winning games.
1: 100%, mate. I look, I, I've got to be honest. If you have your squad you got tomorrow, pick your best goal kicker, pick your best long-range goal kicker, pick your best scrummaging team, and pick your best line-out jumpers and forget about the rest. Win the yeah. game. That's it. Mate, that's,
0: that's pretty much all I had, mate. Did you want to touch on Shoot Shield being 22 rounds next year?
1: Well, I, will, I mean, it's back to sort of what we grew up on. It's a hell of a long season long season considering you, you put trials in there as well and then obviously
0: both of our second grade teams will make the grand final <laughs> but you're looking at close to 30 games without too many weekends off in there as well i i personally like the fact that they're doing home and away i think it's the fairest way of doing it yeah uh, in terms of giving everyone two shots at each other home and away yeah uh, gives, gives clubs an ample opportunity to create, to create some revenue that they probably lost in the last couple of years um but but again that's a very big grind and i think the teams that win it probably both of our teams you're going to have to have a bit of luck in terms of uh, you know a couple of results going your way and even more luck in terms of being able to keep teams on the paddy
1: oh, 100% 100% i mean the the 1.5 rounds was never going to make everyone happy i mean if you drew penrith twice Parra twice you know you were drawing bonus points basically um, the two rounds is it is really the fair way to do it, but it's a hell of a long season. It's what it's what sort of I was brought up on. You're probably brought up on as well. Um, so depth becomes massive. It's massive. Like you, you, you try and keep guys in the field, but you're gonna ha- you're gonna cycle through at least forty guys. So um, I'm sure there's head coaches out there at the moment absolutely scrounging to get some um, to get a squad, and it really is a squad now, to be honest. Like you you're not really looking for 15 players. You need you need 25, 30 guys who are all ready to roll because injuries are inevitable. And when they come back home, yeah.
0: It's a very interesting time because when you and I were coming through, I, I would argue that rugby was a lot more popular and, and you could easily have three or four grades every week. Now, now because of the, the COVID virus the last couple of years, uh, the emergence of AFL, rugby league, really popular again and other sports in Australia, participation numbers are way down, mm. uh, probably got a lot to do with the success of our teams as well. Mm. And and now they've mandated that you've got to have four grades plus three Colts grades for everyone but a couple of clubs for whatever yeah. reason. And that, that's really going to push the depth of some guys this year, I reckon.
1: Mate, they so look, so there's obviously a lot of internal politics at Sydney Rugby and you know, my mail coming out of that is effectively a few clubs pushed very hard for four grades and three cops. A lot of the clubs were pushing for two and two. Um, I understand the, the downsides of both, but the, uh, there's probably four teams that are really yeah. going to struggle to field seven seven for a whole year. I mean, we, we already saw obviously Penrith gone, Hunter can't get a dispensation for some reason. Uh, Parramatta struggling big time to put two grades out. So it's gonna put a lot of pressure on guys to, I agree entirely. But what I can tell you from inside the Sydney rugby system, there's a few clubs who are pushing for it hard. And then there's other clubs that are pushing for sort of like a top two grades, two Colts. So gonna test it, for sure.
0: It's, um, it's incredibly interesting to me to see a lot of the self-interest being, you know, bandied about under the illusion of the betterment of the game. Um, I think quite a few people have their own agendas at the the heart of what they're trying to do. And, you know, saying four grades, you know, we need to promote, we need to improve the standard of rugby across the board. I, I, I really wonder whether what people are saying is genuine or whether it is for the betterment of themselves in terms of being able to get juniors and being able to attract
1: sponsors. And and having a very big gate fee and having an extra 90 people drinking beers every week um, and an extra $20,000 in registration fees. Uh, Yeah, I think you'll find that the clubs that make a very, very big gate from uh, large participation would inevitably have been pushing for more grades.
0: Yeah, mate, look, self-interest is rampant in all aspects of life, but uh, non, none more so than lower-level rugby union, <laughs> from what I've seen. Mate, anything else to finish? Let's wrap this up.
1: No, nah, nothing, mate. Let's, uh, let's. I suppose, uh, more test matches coming this week. I um, don't know. There's nothing else in the news, really, so... maybe
0: okay.
1: maybe you jump on again later in the week if there's something
0: interesting to talk about um I we'll get this up tonight
1: no worries but i presume uh there's a lot of people out there not doing much so strap your headphones on and listen to us crap on and be a friend tell a friend word of mouth is
0: the best marketing to this stage
1: 100 yeah?
0: all right buddy you enjoy whatever it is you're doing and we'll talk soon
1: <laughs> no driving still you later.
0: catch you brother. bye